Thomas Frankar here with you on the BWI Live post-game show. I'm flying solo today, which, oh boy. <laughs> uh, man down here, Tom Hannafin, is on assignment. Uh, I had to prepare a statement because I was, I, I was in danger of being speechless after this game. Penn State loses 28-18, just like that. Penn State's college football playoff hopes, whatever they were before today, are gone. I, I, there, there's no way with that performance that any sort of college football playoff committee, win or lose, could seriously consider this team for any sort of postseason play that would have been meaningful in any way. Uh, they lost in one of the most lopsided games I've seen them play in a long time. And it went to 11 overtimes. It was the longest game ever. Whatever it was, 10 overtimes. I don't even know what to do with that part. I genuinely have no idea what to do with the overtime part. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, on the BWI Live Post Game Show. Uh, Penn State lost to a quarterback that threw for 38 yards. 38 yards. Uh, and I know that a passing game is in everything, but it was a terrible showing by the Penn State offense. And the Penn State defense. Now, we've got a lot of conversation in the chat. I'm going to try and get to a lot of what you're talking about, a lot of your questions. If you have anything that you want to go over, if you want, you have anything uh, that you want me to address, you can always drop in a super chat for the channel. Uh, we have... <laughs> David, I, I hear you. Um, and we're going to start with this. I normally don't agree with statements like outcoached. I typically don't ever go that far when it comes to one situation or not, but David has a point. PJ Mustafer or no PJ Mustafer. Um they were out coached today. I the the defensive adjustments for Penn State, they got there uh at times. But I, I tend to agree you can't give up uh what is it here? 357 yards rushing. You you just cannot give up 357 yards rushing. So I I you know, I typically try to break things down for you and give you the reasons for what was going on. But at 357, I mean, they had two running backs that went over 100 yards. They had a guy that went over 300 yards. You got beat. You were you were out tactically coached. You were out uh, positionally coached. And, and their team beat you physically. They did the thing that you just typically don't do in college football at, a, at the highest level. Penn State is playing football at the Power 5 level, which at that level, this is the theory. You don't typically just beat up on other Power 5 football programs. Their, their athletes are just as big as yours. Their players are strong, quick. They know what they're doing. Like You can't just out-muscle a team because it's not FCS versus FBS. A good part of today was just Illinois' offensive line, which was a good run-blocking unit. That was the strength of their offense. Dominated. Not played well. Not in some form or fashion out-schemed the other team, which there was some of that today. They manhandled Penn State's defensive line without P.J. Mustafer. I think, David, you, you hit it on the head. Yes, P.J. Mustafer and, and getting into some of the things, not having P.J. Mustafer makes things harder for the Penn State linebackers and for the rest of the Penn State defensive line. Um, you're moving Derek Tangelo into that nose tackle position. He's just not as good at that. He's just, that. that is not his strength. Even though he did that at Duke, that was his position, 
This isn't Duke. This is, you know, the the expectations there are different. Uh, P.J. Mustford was able to make plays, get in the backfield, be quick, penetrating, dominate at the point of attack, and shut down for the most part. You know, he was not perfect, but for the most part, he could he could be an effective force in the middle of your defense. Okay, so that part is taken care of. Then you can focus your efforts, then you can focus your talents elsewhere. And when you have Tangelo at that other defensive tackle position, you're strong up the middle with Els Brooks. You take that one Jenga piece out of the front, and the cascade of things that happened was cataclysmic for Penn State. There's no way around that. It was cataclysmic. We saw the fruits of it. Uh, they tried to run stunt once, where you cross either defensive tackles or somebody shoots to a gap that they aren't typically, that they don't line up in. Kaziah Izzard was blocked out of the play. He just isn't, he's not a senior defensive tackle. He isn't capable of doing that. And, and those young defensive tackles, they struggle today. There's no way around that. Devon Ellis was pushed around. Kaziah Izzard fought, but... He's 295 pounds. Maybe he's 300. You know, the listed weight is always kind of an up-in-the-air thing. But he, he doesn't have the sand in his pants to stop the run at the same level. So they were beat up front. Uh, and schematically, there was a lot of things that went into that as well for what Illinois did. Putting 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 13, 14, felt like 16 people on the offensive line. What that does is it makes everyone play a gap. Everyone's responsible for a gap. And 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 Penn State, they could not be gap sound. They could not, across the board, be gap sound from the front side to the back side of the play. It is, again, to, to David's point about being outcoached, they put extra linemen on the field and three tight ends and were effective at that. They knew that Penn State had this weakness and they hammered it. Penn State, what they had been doing is they would lose a couple of gaps. Brandon Smith would be out of position. Uh, you would have a safety miss a tackle in run support. But they would be able to string some plays out wide on the front side with Mustafer and with uh, Nick Tarburton and with a couple of different players, Jesse Lucetta, and they'd get stops. They'd get penetration to the other side of the line of scrimmage. They didn't get any of that today. They got none of that. And that is how you have a recipe for disaster. Uh, again, if you give up almost 400 yards rushing, nobody had a good day. But specifically, the linebackers had a bad day. And, and that was one of the things that I, I noticed. Ellis Brooks did not have his best game. And that's to say that uh, he was average today. He missed some tackles, which he had not been doing in the past. Um, uh, Brandon Smith continues to struggle when it comes to being in the right gap. And being as athletic as he is, not able to to get to the point of attack and, and being blocked out of the out of the play, uh, and then when you, when you when you're on the field that long, Penn State ran 23 plays in the first half. Illinois ran 43. Time of possession doesn't matter if you're scoring. Time of possession doesn't matter if your offense is putting up points. It does matter when your senior quarterback is playing like he did in 2020. Can't see the field doesn't know what the coverages he's looking at, is getting pressure and is being rattled by it. Then time of possession does matter. Three turnovers in the game and basically no points off of it. Um, I will say, David, one thing they did try to do, they tried a couple of different things defensively. They put Jesse Luketa at linebacker. They tried to put three linebacker, three true linebackers on the field. That didn't work either. So as much as, as Brent Pry 
Yes, the schematically, they came in with a plan that Penn State was not prepared for. They went all in on their defensive front. The players got beat. The players were not uh, able to play. Now, I will say, and this is this is one of those things that kind of comes off a little bit like, really? Come on. They called no holding in that game. Uh, I, so I my process is I'm able to, you know, see things and, and re-watch some plays and watch film. Uh, 63 for Illinois made a living today of just grabbing people on the backside of plays. Now, it's on the Penn State linebackers to disengage and have 33-inch arms and be able to play through that to the football. But at a certain point, if someone's grabbing your shoulder pad and turning you around and you're, that's not being called, that's a part of the story too. I mean, Penn State had so many other problems that it, it gets lost in the wash, but that was a part of it today. Um, I'm just reading through some of your 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 uh, your questions here. I, I don't know. <laughs> this is where it's hard to to be solo here. Is I I don't know how to exactly go into this with you guys because this is uh, James S. I think speaks for all of us here. Let's start here. I'm exhausted. That game was incredibly long. I think even Penn State fans at a certain point were like, just, I don't care about the result. Just end this. Just end this game. Um, if you've had any questions about uh, the overtime and the rules, I, I, I genuinely don't know what to say about that because overtime, to me, when, when Penn State played for the tie there and to go into overtime, my thought was, if this goes into overtime, Penn State's going to lose the game. They can't stop anything. They cannot stop the run. And then, mysteriously, Rep Bielema stops running the football in the overtime. If they, they had to get three yards. They were getting, let me, let me pull this up again. How many yards were they getting per carry? Five. They were getting halfway to a first down every single play. They didn't run the football in any of those second overtime, you know, two-point conversions. They started throwing the football. And again, they were 8 of 19 for 38 yards and an interception when doing that. So it's not like they had a really well-coached game either. So that this is a game, I don't even if you're Illinois, uh, the, three tur- the three turnovers were one thing. You ran the ball, yes. You played good uh, on defense. I, I don't know that you feel great about that. Now, obviously, you feel wonderful because you won that football game. A big step forward for Illinois football. You have to take them seriously. But Penn State was bad today. They were bad in every, almost every facet of this game. Even in coverage, where they are good, those trick plays worked. They were open receivers on trick plays. It took hits on the player throwing the football for, for that to be an incomplete pass. So this team wasn't sharp coming out of the bye. There's just no way around it. And, and, and for whatever reason that is, if it's the noon game, if this is a hangover from losing to Iowa, if it's a trap game, whatever it is, this team wasn't sharp on any side of the football. And, and their, their deficiencies and the strengths of Illinois lined up for a perfect storm. Illinois' offense is bad. You, there, is, there is no conceivable way and I'm sorry, I, I'm not trying to be derogatory towards a team that just won a game against a top 10 team. But they threw the ball for 38 yards. A competent run-stuffing team. A, a, a team that has a defensive tackle. Or maybe more than one defensive tackle. 
doesn't give up 357 yards rushing. If there's if there's any sort of balance on defense for Penn State, that offense shouldn't have been able to score. They, they, they're so bad at the quarterback position. I mean, you saw it. They're so bad at the quarterback position, and yet they were so singularly good at running the football that uh, Penn State had no response for it because their offense couldn't score points. And and not to always bring it back to the offense, but to me, that's where the that's where the problems were to to this particular day. And if you want to get into that, we'll get into that now. Uh, I'm trying to read through your your comments and your questions here. Uh, and, and that's why it's helpful if you want to get in a uh, super chat because I'm I'm trying to do both here at the same time. So David is going to be getting his question in here because I see it. It comes up in a, in, a, in a special box so I can look at it. He says, James Franklin and his staff have been outcoached way too many times in his tenure. There are zero excuses for them. It's on them, not the players, period. I want to get into the offensive game plan because I, I, I don't know where this particular part comes from. Um... Let me see if I can find your quote so I can put it up here. Uh, Penn State was super conservative with the uh, with their game plan on offense. They decided to come out and run the ball and, and essentially be Illinois on the first two drives. So that set a bad tone for the game. And actually, and I know that this is, is going to come off wrong, there was some good progress in the run game today. The tight ends blocked better. Uh, there were some plays where the offensive line blocked better. Now, obviously, in the third down and short situations, Penn State is not going to be good at those. Their big, strong players, their tackles, are not playing well. Rashid Walker, for as athletic as he is, he's not playing well. Caden Wallace, for as unathletic as he is, he is playing that way. And then for the, uh, for the interior, none of them block well. None of them, none of them are powerful movers of the football. And Penn State has tried, and, and again, to the point of being outcoached, in the middle of the game, actually at the end of the game, they moved their, their center to right guard. They moved Mike Miranda to right guard, and they moved Juice Scruggs to center. So this particular Illinois football team is not good at stopping the run. They don't have the players to run the system they're running. So to run what they do, and it's called a tight front, where you have three guys in the interior of the offensive line all lined up either shaded or directly in the B-gaps inside the tackles. So you got three guys, a nose tackle, and two defensive tackles. They, they stopped Penn State's rushing attack. But in every other game where you watch the film of that defense, the nose tackle, who is 300 pounds, maybe, like just a typical defensive tackle, he gets blown off the ball by double teams on a regular basis. Penn State could not do that. They couldn't move anybody off the line of scrimmage. And when when you're in that, that particular defense, your linebackers are lined up a yard and a half, maybe two yards off the ball. And they are able to run to the sidelines. It gives them the angles to stop the outside run, while the inside is glommed up by a bunch of just bodies. But Illinois had not been able to successfully run this defense fairly well at all this season. And Penn State, either way, couldn't consistently attack that, whether it was either... So this is what Ball State did. This is exactly what Ball State did to stop Penn State's run, but they were able to get outside against Ball State and get on the perimeter because if, you, if you're a Power 5 offensive lineman and you have a two-yard head start 
to go up to an outside linebacker, you should be able to get some movement. And Penn State, their outside zone didn't work, and they were leaning on that early. That part, I thought, at times, worked pretty well, but they were super conservative. If Sean Clifford is going to play, Sean Clifford needs to play. This team was never going to be able to successfully get the ground game going and to be able to move that team off the ball because Juice Scruggs and, and Mike Miranda and Eric Wilson, they tried Bryce Effner in this game today. They couldn't take advantage of the weakness of the Illinois defense. So then Illinois, knowing Sean Clifford is in the game and injured, can deploy more resources into the secondary. And, and that is the strength of this team. That was the strength of their defense is the secondary where they have some veteran guys that can confuse coverages and do some of the stuff that Indiana does. And Sean Clifford, unlike against Indiana, couldn't run when there was man coverage. So he was stuck in the pocket where he does not operate well. That was a bad game from Sean Clifford in the pocket. He was drifting into pressure. He was There was a three-man rush and he was drifting into pressure. So, like, no part of the Penn State offense could function at that point because Sean Clifford couldn't function. So everything that they had been building this offense on was good decisions by the quarterback and timely runs against coverages that you force with the threats you have out wide and some of the things that you can do. All of that was gone, leaving Penn State absolutely listless as an offense in this game. Uh, and, and just another part of the game, Sean Clifford was off timing-wise. He was not throwing into zones. They were running a lot of zone early in the down, dropping eight at times. And he was not hitting the zones underneath. He was not getting the ball out on time. And I don't, I don't know what a, an injury has to do with the timing, but if that's because he didn't practice all week, then that's a problem. This is his, this is his fifth year in the program, so the offense just couldn't run. Like, there, if your quarterback is going to play conservative and not put the ball into windows downfield, and you're going to play conservative, and you're not going to put him in situations to push the ball down the field, what happened was. It was essentially like you had to take Juan Roberson out there. Everything was short. There was nothing down the field. And when there was, the quarterback was not confident what he was seeing. He held onto the ball. He tried to scramble. But this time, his legs were not a factor. And then he throws the ball and throws it away and incomplete. And you put your defense out there to be run over yet again. Um, and and I, I don't know how to... Like, I was a little bit lost of what I was going to say to you after this game of, like, how do you assess what they did when, uh, by the way, Peter, bringing up the facts that there were no holding calls is not blaming the refs. So I just want to point that out. Also, it was like the fifth thing we talked about. Uh, so Steven says here, uh, <laughs> thanks for the analysis, but what a complete waste. Uh, sort of like this game. Yeah. Uh, Penn State got beat. This is this. This was a this was a beat down by an Illinois team that shouldn't have beat this team. Penn State is a more talented team with better receivers, better skill position players, better defensive backs, better linebackers, although they didn't play well today. And I'm starting to question whether or not that's actually true. At a certain point, athleticism is only part of the game. And uh, there are players on the defense that are not playing up to their profile. So if you get into a game where a team is forcing you to play your gap and play your gap and play your gap and play your gap, 
and you can't do that, then you, that's just what you are. Like at that point, that's just what you are. So when it comes to the, the Penn State uh, defense, this front seven is a real problem now. Like you lose PJ Mustafer, and this defense is a real problem. Uh, let me look at this because I want to. I did not see this until right now. We're gonna check this out. Penn State had six tackles for loss on sixty-seven rushes. They were getting uh, like ten against half that number throughout the season. They were not getting on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and 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 one player should not uh, should not absolutely make the, a difference like that. Jesse Lucchetta did not get off blocks today. Uh, Arnold Lebekidi, this is another this is another dangerous part about the profile of this defensive line and how things were being held together by uh, strings at some point. Arnold Lebekidi is a great pass rusher, but if you run at him. You can push him off the spot. I thought he fought today, and I thought he did some good things, but it's not like Illinois was performing at a level that was overly complicated. If you pull two guards, the linebackers have to follow, and you have to have somebody set the edge. There's no scheme where setting the edge and having backside contain, which were two problems for the defensive line so far today. There's no, there's no scheme. There's no, uh, there's no trick to that. That's just, it's your job to set the edge. And Nick, Par- Nick Tarburton did uh, struggled with that today consistently. Now he did have some big plays. He's able to get pressure on the quarterback. And again, in the passing game, they had 38 yards passing. It was, it was an awful performance uh, by the Illinois passing attack, which has been bad so far this season. But nobody is forcing you to lose your gap other than the guy across from you. And Penn State, the tight ends for Illinois were able to do that. And then when it comes to the pullers, you have to replace those gaps on the front side. So get to the front side of the play. Penn State was hesitant. The linebackers didn't flow and they didn't play with any sort of aggression. Now, part of that is because the defensive line was getting pushed around and things were getting confused. But at a certain point, you've got to go get on your horse. I, I know there's going to be cutback lanes, but nobody seem, seemingly in that game was trusting anyone to do their job. Everyone was trying to make up for P.J. Mustafer instead of being in their gap. And, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't make for a long show when you say, well, Penn State got beat today, and offensively they were playing with a guy that, um, that, that wasn't able to throw the football. So if you have any questions... We'll be uh, we'll be able to get some of them. I'll give you uh, I'll give it a try here. Um, so let's go to the next the last one we had. Somebody who's not swearing at me. Uh, John says, "What's a bigger surprise? Disappointment: the running backs, tight ends, D line, or O line?" Uh, that's a great question. I would say probably at this point the tight ends because there's an explanation for the other places. I don't think that coming into this season I. I was not expecting this offensive line to be phenomenal. There were a lot of questions about Juice Scruggs, Caden Wallace. We were seeing Mike Miranda in a new position. So I, I, was, I had some speculation about, yeah, they're talented, but um, I would say the biggest surprise along the offensive line is Rasheed Walker and how poorly he's played. Uh, the D-line, again, super thin. There were questions about that. Uh, the running backs have been injured. Again, uh, Kevon Lee goes out of this game, does not return. Noah Kane hasn't been healthy coming into the season. He was injured during the season. Uh, John Lovett 
was missing for the first couple games and then got injured and came into this game and, and played okay. One of the better running backs. So to me, it's the tight ends. They have not created separation. They have not been a true factor in the offense consistently so far this season. And, and that has been a huge problem that outside of Jahan Dotson, no one has consistently stepped up to make plays. And that goes to Parker Washington as well. He had some timely third down conversions, but I was expecting more of him. I was expecting more explosive plays. I was expecting what he got into space to break a tackle and get yards after the catch. No one is doing that this year. So this offense either completes the pass or they don't. There's, there's, no, there's not a lot of extra generation when it comes to uh, outside of Jahan Dotson on those bubble screens. Nobody is really breaking tackles over the middle and getting yards after the catch. So that's a huge problem for the Penn State offense. And once again, it puts a lot of pressure on Sean Clifford, who in this game, if you're going to play him and if Sean Clifford's going to play, he's got to be Sean Clifford. There's no mitigated version of that player that can win football games uh, at a consistent level because he he's a limited player. Things have to be good around him. Another thing that happened today that Illinois was able to do that was, you know, a, a kind of going back to what Penn State had struggled with earlier is Brett Bielema was doing a lot of what the uh, Wisconsin did in the first game where they were blitzing and run blitzing their middle linebacker at the center of the line in Penn State's inside zone. They were getting a lot of free rushes at the quarterback because they were timing the snap and they were just getting into the backfield. Now, that's why John Lovett, when he was able to break that tackle, got a big run because it, it voids a gap. But you saw more times than not, he was able to get in the backfield and make the tackle or at least slow down the running back until the cavalry arrived. So that system still works against the Penn State offense. Um, and then when that was shut down, when the, when the running game was shut down, Sean Clifford couldn't operate in third and long all day long. So we got another question here. Um, this is something I was thinking throughout the game. Do you think a switch at quarterback could have changed something? Roberson could at least run when he was under pressure from African Mangoes. Yeah. Uh, what's the difference? What is the realistic difference between uh, a Sean Clifford, who is not providing you the above-average decision-making and accuracy, and Taquan Roberson, who in the game where he played was providing you was not providing you above-average decision-making and accuracy? I I don't I don't know. And and Clifford clearly was injured. He was inaccurate even on the passes where he was throwing. He was still being affected by that injury. So. It, to me, the part that is disappointing is not the physical side, to your point of being able to run under pressure. It was the, the fact that the, the, men, the, the pain seemingly was creating um, indecision and, and a slowing of his mental process, which, you know, I've never had to do that. So I, I can imagine that probably is a part of it. But if, he's, if that's the case, then he shouldn't be playing because what he provides to you is the engine to the offense. And then if you're if that doesn't work, then you need to provide, you need a different situation. But that goes back to what we said about the game plan and being conservative to begin with. Penn State couldn't take advantage of the weakness of the defense, so they needed to rely on their quarterback, and they couldn't, he, he couldn't deliver today. He couldn't deliver today either. So, so then you've got to go find other answers. And if there's one thing that we've seen, um, Trace McSorley played against Michigan when he was not healthy, 100%. 
Uh, Trace McSorley played against Iowa when he wasn't healthy 100%. And uh, James Franklin will stick with that guy as long as he can physically play. So I, I don't know what you really do with that. I would say uh, this is a good point, too. Numerous missed picks is, is really a big part of this game. Jaquan Brisker could have ended the game in overtime if he had caught that pass, which he's been phenomenal all season, and he did break up the pass, so that is a quality play. But when they needed it, the, the, the dropped interception, I don't know about the one by Ellis Brooks, how much that would change the game. Penn State would have gotten the ball, but realistically, the defense had to score. And, and he's falling to the ground. He wasn't going to score there. Another thing that was, was a, a, a tough out for Penn State is that when they had the opportunity, they missed tackles at the second level. And that's another place they got out physical was uh, Illinois was able to break tackles. Uh, I thought Tig Brown had a, a rough game. He wasn't able to make tackles. Joey Porter Jr. actually played decently, but again, by the time he's getting to the ball, if he allows an extra yard, it's now a five- or six-yard game. So linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks were, were missing tackles, and again, that goes back into the game plan. If you're just joining us here on the BWI Live post-game show, I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We're taking your questions as best we can, flying solo, Tom Hannafin on assignment. Um, we are, we're, we're breaking down this game from... I kind of bouncing all over the place because it was this game was all over the place. And it's it's I think when you come away from this game, the biggest takeaway was everything was being held together by a hair's breadth. And and you guys have been talking about this in the post game show of how do you fix the run game? How do you do these things? How do you get this fixed? Because the underlying current of all of that was this team there was a margin of error with the players that were available that was pretty thin. Now, when they were operating within that margin, they were phenomenal in the first part of the season. I, I don't want to take away from the fact that they were five and they were they were five and zero going into that Iowa game, and they were doing very well in that game. But PJ Mustaver gets hurt, and that one player causes a a total derailment of the defense because there's no other way you can put it when it comes to this game, and. Uh, things that were happening previously stopped happening in this game. The Penn State secondary had been doing a good job tackling. That didn't happen today. Um, the Penn State linebackers had been doing a good job not missing tackles. Jesse Lucada had to play linebacker today. That's not where his strong suit is. So it was it was a it was a a thorough defeat even in regulation for Penn State football. They had 227 yards in this game total, and it went to 11 overtimes. There's, there's not a lot to, uh, to really... At a surface level, this team just wasn't good enough today, and then by the long term, was not good enough for what their expectations were as being a top 10 team. And, and the depth was an issue. The today the play calling I thought was an issue, but then at the at the same point, if you have open receivers and your quarterback won't throw the football, that's where I have a hard time really putting a lot on Mike Yersich, where what you're calling maybe that works, but it's not being executed pretty you know, very well whatsoever. So let's see, uh, Penn State took basically zero downfield shots. Keandre Lambert Smith. Caught a 42-yard, wide-open touchdown. Uh, why was nobody open downfield, and why were there no shots? 
So one thing, and this is this brings up a good point that we should get to, is that uh, the defensive game plan was pretty good from Illinois, where they took the things that were on film that the Penn State offensive line was not doing well, and they took advantage of that. This was another stunt game where they were bringing people on uh, loops from the outside to the inside, getting pressure in Sean Clifford's face, and he is not accurate throwing under pressure. Uh, if he's mobile and on the run, and he's able to contort his body and throw with a good... Uh, you know, outside the pocket structure, he's good. If he can throw from a clean pocket inside structure, he's good. But when he has to throw from an off platform, he's off. There were two touchdowns that were missed that were uh, in the first half after a turnover where you had a great rub route, a natural pick play where Illinois is playing press man coverage in a short yardage situation. You get um, Parker Washington free on that and it's thrown into the back of the end zone because there was a stunt from the backside. It was either a stunt or it was a uh, a slot blitz. One of the two where there was an overload and they got pressure quickly on Sean Clifford. And and that ruined the play. That one thing ended that play. Uh, accuracy was off. There was a, a, a shot to Keandre Lambert-Smith down the field where it was a back shoulder intentional. You could see it was man coverage. It's a go ball. It's, it's intentionally thrown underneath as a back shoulder to, to work back to that ball. And he, and Sean Clifford left it two yards inside because there was pressure in his face and he didn't get a good attempt. So there were shots and plays to be made, but when you're throwing into the strength of the defense on third and eight, and they're dictating the game, there are, it's, it's just harder. It's just in general, it's a harder play to make. And even the one that they did make was just Jahan Dotson being above average at football. There's really no way around it is that he's just better at football in that situation than the guys around him, but that's not sustainable either. You need to have a good plan of attack, and Penn State was not able to get players open at a frequency that they typically have been able to do. And that part to me is the part where I think that Mike Yurcich's plan, I thought, came in trying to protect Sean Clifford. But when you can't run the football... And then you're putting it all on your quarterback. You're putting him in that situation anyway. So going back to the the fact that I just don't know how you win in that situation, which comes back to what Tony B says here is where was Roberson? I, I, I at that point you do have to consider making a switch because what is what is not working is the strength of your team. And coming into this game, that's the problem is if, you, if, you're, if you're setting up this game for Sean Clifford and the, and the plays and the situations and the play calls and everything you practiced all week is for that quarterback and he can't execute, then you can't execute. And I don't know that bringing in Taquan Roberson would have really fixed that because we saw he couldn't operate Sean Clifford's game plan to begin with. So, I, you know, not to be defeatist here for Penn State football fans, but what do you do there? This team had a particular path to how they could win football games. And Illinois exposed the fact that if you took away, uh, and, and they're getting the advantage of having an injured Sean Clifford in the game. But if you, can, if you can force him off the spot, this team doesn't have an efficient or effective offense. And, and that's going to be the, the storyline for the next seven days. Um, because now at five and two, realistically, all of their hopes for the Big Ten Championship game, all that stuff, those have sort of evaporated because even if they go through their schedule and they beat everybody else, there's going to be some sort of tiebreaker scenario. 
Um, I don't know how you you don't expose these weaknesses going forward. These are these are fundamental issues that Penn State is working with. Even in this game, Kaziah Izzard got injured. He came back into the game. But they are losing guys along the defensive line quickly at a position where they don't have anybody north of 310 pounds. They have a small defensive line. Arnold Ebikidi struggles to get to 250. There are just parts of this team that are what they are. And now as we get into the grind of the Big Ten season, they're, they're sort of being exposed. Um... We'll go here a little bit longer. You know, as much as as much as that game was a four-hour football game, it is summed up pretty easily. So I don't want to I don't want to sit here and, and take up too much of your time with uh, with just repeating myself. But if you're joining us, Penn State got beat. That's what we're talking about today. Is Penn State was run on, and while there are five or six or seven or eight play, you know, things that happen in this game uh, that caused that the the end of the game was Penn State was beat up front. So that'll do it today for the BWI live show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks to everybody who participated today. And we'll be back again next week on Monday for the BWI recap show. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. That'll be Monday at noon.